Blog Talk Radio. They're going to kill the love of my life. Casey! If I don't go back to what I was doing. On February 24th. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, but love. Collide. In theaters February 24th. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13. again by one silver. What's up, man? Good evening, Logan. Good evening, classic wrestling fans. As we talk about not three, but four of the greatest performances of Playboy Buddy Rose, one of the greatest fat boy workers of all time. I mean, this fat fuck was up. He took bumps. He was very athletic. Um, the four matches we'll be talking about, March 4th, 1978, against the recently departed Superfly Jimmy Stucker. Then we go to May 19th, 1979 against the recently departed Rowdy Roddy Piper. And then the final match, two matches, September 17th and September 24th, 1983 against, he's dead but he doesn't know it, the Dynamite Kid. <laughs> okay. I didn't, I, 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 don't, I don't know if I watched the second match there, but uh, we'll... Oh, so the entire, the entire, oh, the entire um, YouTube feed that I sent you had both matches back to back. Right, right, right. I thought it was uh, repeating it or something. Actually, it turned out that uh, it, it confused me because I was like, "Is this the same match?" Because it was still, it was another um, kind of the same rules, right? It's from the same arena. Um, all, by the way, all four of these matches held in Portland, in the Portland uh, wrestling territory. And Buddy Rogers, Buddy Rose, I'm sorry, I'm about to say Buddy Rogers. Playboy Buddy Rose is one of the two or three biggest stars in the history of Portland wrestling. Okay, I see now this. So anyway, talk about Buddy Rose now. His, um, you have his um, WWE run, which was not very noteworthy, but uh, oh no, he had some great, he had some great matches in the WWE from um, most of 1980. 19- 1982 to early 1983. I mean, he had some tremendous matches with uh, Bob Backlund. Um, he took on the Superfly right after the Superfly turned face. He had some good matches with the Intercontinental Champion Pedro Morales. He had some great TV matches with an up-and-coming young jobber named Kurt Henning. And I'll talk about Kurt Henning later on in this program because um, both Buddy Rose and Kurt Henning were products of the Portland wrestling territory. But he was pretty fat, right, back uh, when he was doing... Oh, when... Well, 
back then, the matches we're looking at is the best shape he's ever been in. That's right. not saying much. Yeah. Well, it looks like his whole gimmick was like that he called himself the Playboy, but he really didn't look like one. I mean, he was like looked like this fat kind of dorky guy with a fucking bleached blonde hair with no shape at all, like not very athletic looking. And uh, he was. And just... he was a, but he was a great athlete. Um, oh, he was. It has, it's in the in the mid seventies. When he first, uh, mid to late 70s, when he first started wrestling in Portland, he would skate with the Portland minor league hockey team, and he would outskate these guys. <laughs> yeah, he has. He was definitely in tremendous shape, and he looked like he he had some tremendous strength for how he looked. I mean, you you wouldn't think him to be this strong, but the way he'd do those back body drops, man, he'd like throw you up in the air. Oh, never so, mind that. When you back body dropped him, he'd go up 10, 10 feet in the air. I mean, yeah, well, and the bumps that he took, he took like those Kurt Henning-type bumps. I, I bet you Kurt learned more from him. Uh, well, they both, both those guys were products of the AWA and Portland. Right, right. You and can so tell, they, yeah. They all have that, it's that Larry Zabisco style. Um, it's also, not Larry Zabisco, uh, Kurt Bockwinkle type style. Nick Bockwinkle, Nick Bockwinkle, and... You know, Rick Rude has a lot of, of, of that in him, too. So you, and so you can see the influence of Nick Bockwinkle and the AWA style. And, well, and you I know, that stalling shit. You know, all I that stalling. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Playboy Buddy Rose was also from Minneapolis, where Kurt Henning and Rick Rude and all those great Rick Flair, came, the same state that all these guys came out of. Absolutely, man. Like So this territory that we're looking at here, is it is it all in Portland? All four of these matches are from Portland. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, this first match with Jimmy Snuka uh, looks like uh, you got Buddy Rose, uh, the heel. Jimmy Snuka, yes. the clear face here. Uh, Jimmy Snuka, is this the is this the best Jimmy Snuka? Oh my God! This is uh, this might be the earliest footage of Superfly Snuka, and he's got the Ricky Steamboat arm drags. Oh my I God! Mean, yeah. This man was a fun. If this snooker came to the WWF, just imagine it. they would have never put. They would have never called Hulk Hogan. <laughs> they wouldn't need to, yeah. But he definitely was um, unbelievable. Some of the stuff that I just there was one point in this match where he had Buddy Rose in an armbar and he just kind of picks his whole body up off the mat with the armbar. I don't know how he does that, but. Uh, but anyway, we'll we'll get oh, into it. By the way, look. By the way, uh, Playboy Buddy Rose was trained by Vern Gagne in the AWA. There you go. Yeah. So Buddy Rose is he the most famous um, Playboy of of all? I mean, how many Playboys have there been? And uh, I think he and you could tell his style is also heavily influenced by. And it's a possibility. I don't know. He might have watched play uh, Nature Boy Buddy Rogers growing up because you see the whole gimmick with the blonde hair. And, and and the and the and the and the and the beautiful robe. And, and, yeah, it's gorgeous, George. But yeah, well, well, and you know what? There's always there's always been conflicting reports. Who came out with that? The blonde hair first, gorgeous George, or Playboy Buddy Rogers? I mean, Nature Boy Buddy Rogers. So I think a uh, Playboy Buddy Rose growing up took a lot of of Buddy Buddy Rogers and put it into his um gimmick. Yeah, but you'd be surprised, man. Like I. I I haven't seen that many. I would think there would be a lot of Playboys. You know, at least there were like a couple of nature, three Nature Boys, right? So. Well, you got the three Nature Boys: Buddy Rogers, Ric Flair, and Buddy Landell. Yeah, but there's there's only one Playboy. Yeah, but think about it. 
Playboy Buddy Rose is is he's basically the Nature Boy. Just his name is Playboy. Yeah, yeah. He he does the same kind of stuff. He, he yeah. he's a cowardly heel. Yeah. And uh, it's 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 a type. It's definitely a type. We've seen it for years in in wrestling. So so anyway, he's got his second there. His um, partner Miskowski. Talk about him a little bit. I don't. Edward really... Yes, you know who he is because later on he would become the infamous Colonel De Beers. Ah, that's who he was. Okay, I didn't recognize him without the mustache. And it's funny. It's funny. In the AWA, he was Edward Kowski. Then in 86, he shows up in the AWA as Colonel De Beers. When he goes back to Portland, he's Colonel De Beers. And the announcer's like, oh, you guys, how the fuck? You, you, you could have, you, all your, you, you wrestled most of your career in Portland as a, this Polish guy. Then you come back and you claim yourself African. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever. He wasn't like, it looked like he wasn't that big a name as Muskowski. He was definitely a bigger name as... Oh, no, but I'm saying he wrestled most of his career in Portland as one of the biggest heels in Portland. He comes back, he comes back three or four years later, same person, different gimmick. I mean, he's the same guy. He's got the same face. So this first match, um, you got Jimmy Snuka doesn't want to start the match uh, until Muskowski, uh leaves. And then Buddy Rose leaves the ring and he stalls for about four minutes. Oh yeah, big stalling here. I mean, it's it's stalling by Snuka. It's stalling by all three really, because Miskowski is like pretending to leave and then coming back, and and Snuka doesn't want to start. And then you know you see um, uh, Rose try to sneak up on Snuka. Snuka catches him. So there's a lot of stalling. Finally, um, he they're really building up shit, stalling, and then um, Rose here's a a big lesson in um, like heat 101 like Rose is, keeps telling the crowd to shut up and the crowd instead of shutting up obviously what do they do ring psychology which playboy buddy Rose was a master of yeah and and most now what they do is they tell the crowd to like cheer more it's like yeah, because you, because nobody wants to be a heel anymore right but it's like you don't understand that if the crowd is not going to do what you tell it to do like it'll fuck with you like if you to say be it, honest with you the best the best that does it, the best that handles the crowd is John Cena. Yes, because he even gets them to like boo him. It doesn't matter he's as long a, as they... he's a master ring psychologist, one of the all-time greats. Because like, he'll put the microphone to one side of the crowd. Cena, you can't wrestle. And yeah. He puts the microphone to the other crowd. So, Cena, Cena. Yes, yeah, yeah, Cena sucks. Let's go CM Punk or whatever. So then, uh, so we get um, Rose. He bails out. Comes back. Uh, we get a sunset roll-up by Snuka. He uh, almost gets him there. Um, and then we see a temporary advantage by Rose. But then finally, uh, he, Rose gets slapped to the mat by that fucking arm drag, which is an incredible. Oh, you're right. I, he, did, he didn't do that type of arm drag in the WWF. We did his greatest performances last week, and not one time did we see that arm drag. I mean, this guy in Portland, and kudos to Dave Meltzer because he wrote a two-part bio on Superfly stuck at the last two observers. I mean, must read, must read one of the greatest biographies he ever did. And he mentioned how Superfly Stucker, his best work has never been seen because it was in Portland from 1971 to 1978. And this is at the end of his run. After this, a a month or two later, he goes to Crockett. Okay. So then he's, uh, he's, he's holding him down on an arm bar 
you know, this is a real AWA style match where they're just working on this body part. He's holding him down with the arm par, arm bar, and this is where the point where he basically picks him up at, by his arm, his whole body somehow. He picks up Rose's whole body and slams it down. Um, there's some rope play back and forth. Um, then he, he slaps that arm drag on once again. Hey, this arm drag is so strong that the announcer calls it. Wow, that's an arm drag slam. <laughs> yeah. Uh, finally, an, um, an elbow smash off the rope by Rose gives him the temporary advantage, but then he misses an elbow to um, drop to the floor. He gets caught back in that arm drag again. Snooker's wrenching on that arm, and then uh, Rose finally gets to the corner, gets a knee, but then he's he's thrown shoulder first into the ring post, and that's another thing he takes great is those bumps into the ring post. He always takes them really... I, and, and, and and with his weight, when he slams against the ring post, the fucking whole ring it shakes. Yeah, this is something that uh, Bret Hart learned, I think, from him. Because um, Bret Hart I, doesn't. I don't know if it's Bret Hart down to my kid was doing that in Calgary. Um, okay. So, not just, necessarily. I mean, you know, some people come up with the same stuff without having to see it, the other person. Yeah, but they're definitely similar in that way, that they really yeah, use that turnbuckle yeah. and they slam into it and almost make the ring move. Um, uh, there's a uh, Snooker goes for a leg drop where he just jumps up into the air like eight feet and then comes down with his leg. Um, he comes like um, you know this is like before the the Hogan leg drop, but he definitely is doing it better here. He's doing it much more impressive. Snooker then goes to to do that super fly, but then he gets Ric Flared basically. He gets uh, slammed. Um, and then Rose tries to do a, the super fly, and he gets Ric Flared, basically thrown, body slammed, power slammed off. Um, we get a flying headbutt, um, by, and then a diving headbutt, and then a pile driver, all by Snooker here on Rose. Oh, he's just destroying Buddy Rose. Yeah, and then he, um, Buddy Rose gets his foot on the rope. Then we get a big body slam. He misses by by Snooker. Then he misses a splash. And then that, this is where Rose gives him a great. Uh, um, um, he he's about to give him a um, an atomic drop, but he like throws him high in the or yeah. What's what's he, doesn't he do a back body drop here? Where he just throws him up. This is where. Um, yeah. Yes. Um, this is where you see this guy's back body drop, where he just throws the guy, and this is where you should see that Rose is pretty uh, strong himself. He gets. Um, an atomic drop on him. A um, he gets a great like um, leapfrog pin sunset flip on him. Uh, I mean, you you can see the agility here of Rose. He's keeping up with Snooker, um, even though he's a fat fuck, and Snooker looks like he's in shape. Uh, we get a full Nelson. Snooker, on... looks like, Snooker looks like he's in shape. Yeah, we get a full Nelson on the rope. He looks like he's in shape, boy. He, okay. he is. He is. He's getting a full Nelson on him, but he's they're tied up in the rope. Yeah, it's a, he's doing a swinging neck breaker. Yeah, we get a big Euro, European uppercut by Snooker, and then a small package, but then the time runs out. So in this match alone, Snooker does more moves than his basic. When, when he when when he becomes the top man in the WWF, it's basically four or five moves in this match, but many more moves than his entire run while he was the big face in the WWF. Yeah, yeah, he's but he, he looks like it was pretty even. I mean, in the sense that I guess he mostly dominated, but 
Rose definitely got in a few things here, and he was keeping up with. He didn't look like he couldn't keep up with this guy, so he's keeping up with Prime Snooker here. And this is a guy that looks like he hasn't been seen a gym in his whole life. Uh, but but I'm sure he did. I just don't think he was the body type. Yeah, the, he he. I mean, he was taught how to wrestle by Vern Gagne and Billy Robinson, two of the greatest shooters of all time. So he had to work out then and there. But as far as hitting the weights. I don't think he ever touched the weight in his life. <laughs> yeah. So so let's uh, talk about the setup. This next match, you got Piper, Rowdy Rowdy Piper, and I think the earliest match we've ever covered of his. Yes, and the very first time Rowdy Piper ever is a babyface. Piper and Buddy Rose were a heel tag team. I mean, they were a hated heel tag team in the Northwest in, in, in Portland. And then a few weeks before this match, Buddy Rose turns on Rowdy Piper. So this is the middle of a hot, heated feud, one of the biggest feuds in Portland history. Yeah, well, Roddy Piper, man, like his whole thing was to come in as a heel and get red hot and then turn to the face. I mean, that's you what know, this is. This is the first of that formula because before this, he was in Northern California and Southern California, and he stayed, stayed heel throughout those runs, never turning face. When he came to Portland, uh, the own, uh, the owner of uh, Don Owen, the owner of the territory, took a huge liking to Roddy Piper and became a surrogate father to Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper really didn't know his real father, and so he and he and he saw that this guy has a lot of potential, and Roddy Piper always gave credit to Don Owen for him becoming the star that he became. And this right then, right now, is the beginning where you could see. You know, when they introduce Piper's, the, the fans just go ancient. You can see that this guy could be both a heel and a face. And like you said, it was the formula. It happened in Portland. Then it happened in Georgia. It happened in Crockett. It happened in WWF. He would be a hot heel, the most hated guy on the planet. And then little by little, the fans would begin cheering him. Something would happen, and boom, the hottest baby face in the territory. Yeah, he got over as that crazy baby face that could even do heel tactics and still get cheered, you know. Like yes, could, yes, yes. And that was his whole thing. So he's there, they have a little stare down here. And once again, Ed Wiskowski is Buddy Rose's second. Yeah. And guess who's his, uh, Rowdy Piper's second, who's not on the scene yet until later, but baby Killer face. Tim Brooks, who has to be the ugliest baby face in the history of <laughs> right, but is what about um oh no no that was Snooker, right? Snooker had um had uh, Jesse Ventura. That's right. That's right. Uh, 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 Ventura came in the ring and saved Snooker from um Wiskowski and and, and um and, and and um Buddy Rose. And that was like a rare face moment for uh That was the only if my recollection is Jesse Ventura's career lasted less than 10 years. Right. Another guy that was trained in the AWA, but Jesse Ventura's career lasted less than 10 years. He was healed 95% of the time. The only 5% was in Portland. Yeah, yeah. He, he looked weird to see this guy, like, and snooker together. I don't think his fucking physique was overrated. I never saw Ventura as a Greek guy. I mean... No, but I think he even played that. I think he even knew that because he had a big gut, but he had some. I mean, he was never, he was never chiseled. He was not. He never looked like Snooker or or or, or, or Paul Orndorff. Or or or, or uh, the guy that he was imitating, Superstar, Superstar Billy Graham. Graham. Yeah, he looked like 
<laughs> yeah, no, he didn't. But I think almost he knew that. He was just fucking around like the body. Yeah, he was his hair and his hairdo, man, my God. Look, <laughs> looked like uh like Rusty the Clown. But um He looked like Superstar Grand with a with a with a, with a beer belly. That's yeah. what he looked like. <laughs> <laughs> no, Crust I mean like Krusty the Clown, not not Rusty. But anyway, so we got um uh the stare down here between Piper and Rose. They give you some collar elbow tie ups. There's a big chop by Piper to the arm of uh, Rose, and then, you know, they they start brawling, and then back to the collar elbow tie up, um, and then big punch on the arm again by uh, Piper. Piper's um, Piper's tripped by um, Wiskowski. Yeah. And then Rose gets the upper hand, and uh, Piper's then they he's hard whipped into the corner. We get a big sleeper by Rose, and sleepers just he's just holding on to him with that sleeper. Um, hey, uh, by the way, I failed to mention this is a lumberjack match, so you got wrestlers all around the ring. Right. So Piper's getting um, he's going dead on this fucking. This is another big spot for Piper is going dead on the sleeper. He did it with Hogan, and he'll do it here. Um, He's he fights out finally from his dead position. Rose is beat finally just like lets go of the sleeper, but then keeps on beating the shit out of Piper. Um, he he gets a headlock on um, Piper and seemingly starts to choke uh, choke Piper out. But then Piper finally fights out and brings Rose down. Uh, Rose then pulls his hair to get the advantage. We see those heel tactics by Rose. He's finally um. He slammed into the turnbuckle. Um, <clears throat> Piper then kicks Rose in the head from like <laughs> he's like on the ground and like uh, Rose comes up to him and gets just like kicked up and you can see he just almost goes flying across the ring by just Piper kicking him from un- from the ground. Um, it, Pi- Rose then throws Piper out and then he's he's thrown back in this happens a couple of times with uh Piper finally um uh, Piper gets a big atomic drop by Rose Piper finally gets a punch in comes off the ring with a um a big right fucking cross onto uh to to Rose uh, one thing I want to mention Logan when you talk about the way Piper when Piper brought up by Jim Cornette after Piper died the way Piper moved in the ring was like a boxer. He would uh, move around the ring like a boxer, which Jim Cornette brilliantly brought up after Piper, Piper's death. This was because Piper, growing up, was not trained as a wrestler, but was an actual amateur boxer in Canada. Yeah, you can see he holds his hands up like he's about to box, and that's kind of how he does things. He does throw punches like a boxer. He's um, We see a back body drop off the rope by... This is uh, another... Um, Showing off of Rose, how he gets that elevation, um, and we see that Piper uh, is—he keeps trying to come back, but Rose keeps cutting him off. Um, Rose is Rose gets, keeps then the, I, I guess Piper starts getting the upper hand, and Rose is just like he starts trying to run out of the ring, and he just keeps trying to run out, and they keep throwing him back in like over and over. Um, Piper's then finally like recovered. He's on fire. He's throwing punches. He does a big snap mare. He does a big knee lift, which uh, um, uh, Rose just sells by almost like flipping in the air. 
Um, he throws Rose over the top rope, and then they, you know, throw him back in. Piper uh, gives gets a pin attempt, but then uh, uh, Rose puts his foot on the rope. Piper then misses a drop kick. Rose looks like he's going for a bulldog, but then he ends up. Then Piper ends up throwing him into the turnbuckle. Um, Piper does that airplane airplane spin on uh, yeah, Rose, yeah, yeah, and yeah. he's just as dizzy at the end of it than uh, Rose is. They start brawling on the outside of the ring. Uh, Wiskowski's then in the ring. Uh, Piper Piper gets back in the ring while. Uh, um, Rose is fighting with the lumberjacks on the outside. Wiskowski comes in and starts beating on Piper like completely. Then Brooks, the second of Piper with the dog chain, comes in and starts uh, beating on Wiskowski. And, uh, all and he, the, hits, that he hits Buddy Rose with the chain. He hits Piper. Buddy. Buddy uh, coming in. Buddy Rose is coming back in the ring. Gets hit with the chain. Piper uh, covers him and then wins. And then he and um, Brooks hugs. Who's this Brooks guy? Killer Tim Brooks was a mid-level heel for his entire career. Um, the majority of his career was he was based in Texas. He wrestled in world class. He wrestled in Houston, and he wrestled in San Antonio, the Southwest uh, Championship Wrestling um, territory. Majority of his career was in um, was 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 in Texas. The biggest angle he ever appeared in was in the spring of 1983, Georgia Championship Wrestling, Larry Sabisco appears for the first time in Georgia Championship Wrestling, which is now World Championship Wrestling on WTBS, and he offers Killer Tim Brooks $25,000 if he could win the national title from Mr. Wonderful Paul Lorndorf, who was a face at that time. Killer Brooks beats Mr. Wonderful Paul Lorndorf by cheating, of course. Sabisco buys the belt from Tim Brooks, and that starts a long feud with Mr. Wrestling 2 over that title. Well, that sounds like the angle with the million-dollar man where he bought and the title. That, that's exactly where they stole it from, yes. Oh, okay. That was a good one. So, okay, so um, they uh, so Piper wins here. And, uh, and not long after this, Piper leaves to go to Crockett. Okay, and that's where he feuds with, like, uh, Valentine and, and actually Flair, right? With Flair first, um, he fused with Steamboat, he fused with Jack Briscoe, and then eventually turns face and has that legendary feud with Greg the Hammer Valentine. So Rose sticks around in this territory. Until 1982, where he finally gets a call-up to the WWF and has some tremendous matches with both the World Wrestling Federation champion Bob Backlund and the Intercontinental champion Pedro Morales and then he forms a tag team with Ray Stevens before finally going back to Portland in the spring of 83. And this is this sets up the last match perfectly. Okay. Buddy, well, Rose, Buddy Rose has been a heel his entire day in Portland. He you, comes back, and one of the first matches, he gets his neck broken by Kurt Henning, who's right now the number one face in Portland. Buddy Rose comes out the hospital. This, this this was a story. I think this was done so he could finish up his dates in New York in, in the WWF. He comes back, and there was a there was a faction he used to have called Rose's Army, and there was a new heel in town called Rip Oliver, who had Oliver's clan. So Buddy Rose and Rip Oliver are like, okay, you have your you have your your team. I have my team. We'll agree to not get into each other's way. One week, 
of the Buddy Rose hires Dynamite Kid as his new member of Rose's Army. And Rip Oliver's like, well, I wanted Dynamite Kid. And Buddy Rose was like, no disrespect, Rip. Um, I offered him more money than you did. Let's just shake on this. And if you need my help, I'll help you. If, 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 if I need your help, you help me. Then there's a match with the Dynamite Kid and Buddy Rose versus Billy Jack Haynes, who was an up-and-coming superstar in the, in the Portland, rookie of the year that year in 83, and Kurt Henning. And in that match, Rip Oliver and the Dynamite Kid turn on Buddy Rose, and Buddy Rose becomes a face. The following week, Buddy Rose, oh, they bludgeoned Buddy Rose. They pile-driving three times by the interview area, and he's bludgeoned. He's caught it off. The following week is a, a match between the Assassin and Rip Oliver versus Kurt Henning and Billy Jack, Billy Jack Haynes. Uh, Kurt, uh, the, 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 the heels are beating up on Haynes and, and Henning where all of a sudden Buddy Rose comes out with his head bandaged and he clears the ring of the heel. When it happens, over 100 fans come in the ring, not over 100, over 20 to 30 fans come in the ring and they carry Buddy Rose around on their shoulders. <laughs> a great, yeah, you people want to see it, check it out on YouTube. One of the great face turns of all time. The fans, all these years, close to 10 years, they hated this man, and all of a sudden they love him. Oh, while, while, um, while, um, Kurt, while, while Kurt Henning and Billy Jack are getting beat up, a kid jumps out of the, uh, from the ring and tries to go after the heels, and the heels are staying kayfabe. So they grab the kid, and they look like they're going to hurt the kid when Dynamite Kid, when, when um, Buddy Rose comes in the ring and helps save the kid. So that's another reason why the fans gave it and put him on his show. Wow. <laughs> and so that set up this huge feud, a great feud, one of the greatest feuds in Portland wrestling history, 1983. You had Buddy Rose, Kurt Henning, Billy Jack versus The Assassin. Rip Oliver and Dynamite Kid. And Dynamite Kid in 1983 was as great as any worker in the history of the sport, as you can see in these matches. He was spectacular. Yeah, but this guy, uh, Buddy Rose, is keeping up with him, man. And of like, course, because Buddy Rose is one of the great workers of all time. Yeah, when I was talking about his WWF run, I was talking about his run after this. Oh. Well, by, by that time, he was already 700 pounds. Yeah, he was such a fat fuck, man. It was like, he was a jobber. No, he was a jobber. There's no way Vince, uh, Vince Jr. is going to put somebody look like that on top. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's still good, though. He's still pretty good. And he was still a great, he was a great work up until he died. Please. Yeah, I mean, he kind of reminds me of Adrian Adonis in that way that he could just... Another have... guy that was trained in the AWA. Right, right. And another guy who went through Portland, Adrian Adonis. Adrian Adonis won the Lumberjacks in the match against Piper. So let's talk about this first one here where they're fighting here. You got Rose versus Dynamite Kid. Um, there's a big back body drop by Dynamite, then uh, then by Rose, who gets even bigger elevation than Dynamite does on it. Um, yes, yes. He Rose gets a suplex. Um, they 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 both mirror each other in uh, doing a little hip up the the Shawn Michaels thing. Uh, they both kick up at the same time. They got um, Dynamite gets a um, drop, att- attempts a drop kick. He gets caught by Rose, his two feet, and then catapulted into the 
uh, like a springboard right into the. Yes, um, into the post. Yeah, that's awesome. It was such a smooth transition, you know. Hey, Bret Hart and Mick Foley have always said that one of the greatest workers in the history of professional wrestling was the Dynamite Kid. The Dynamite Kid was such a sensational worker, Logan, that Meltzer put him in the Hall of Fame right away when he did his first induction class in 1996. Yeah, I mean, I think AJ Styles is, like, rivaling him at this point. But uh... I think AJ, and you see a lot of Dynamite Kid in AJ. You see a lot of Bret Hart and Dynamite Kid in AJ Styles. Yeah. So then um, big chops in the corner by Rose, big uppercut by Dynamite Kid, big headbutt. Um he um and the first fall is real quick, Dynamite Kid wins with a knee lift off the knee drop off the top rope. Yeah. Um Buddy Rose uh he's so Buddy uh, here I'm at the point where Dynamite comes off the top rope, he gets the first fall and right. that's uh that's yeah, okay. So then Dynamite's uh, beating on Rose. Rose is like still groggy from the um from the knee drop. From the knee drop. Um uh, he he throws um he throws Rose into the turnbuckle, big knee by um and onto Rose and Rose goes flying. Um he Rose then goes to the outside, comes back in, is punched, um Rose reverses a gut wrench suplex that uh, Dynamite tries to get him and gets it. Um and so then by the way, the suplexes these guys Deliver in this match are sensational. Yes, I know. There's a reverse body back body drop, I think. Um, but then I get he's get. Um, you see that Dynamite's getting the upper hand, but then um, uh, Rose is in the turnbuckle, like not facing Dynamite. He just like lifts his leg up and kicks him in the nuts. Oh yes, the low blow kick. That that that, that that's a heel tactic. But Buddy Rose is a face now. Right, but he's allowed to use it. <laughs> Because it's an old, it's like the crowd cheers for it because now he's like using his heel tactic for good. Um, so we get Buddy Rose to the top rope. He gets Ric Flair, you know, thrown off by Dynamite. Um, <clears throat> Dynamite could get a pin, but he brings he he, he pulls uh, Rose's head up. Uh, Dynamite then misses a flying headbutt off the top rope. Um, Rose takes Dynamite up for a big atomic drop and just holds him up in the air for a while. Yes, yes, I love that. <laughs> and finally brings him down right on his knee. Uh, big elbow to a prone Dynamite uh, on the ground. Uh, splash attempt, kneed by Dynamite. Uh, Buddy Rose gets kneed in the, in the gut trying to go for the splash. Um, Buddy Rose, I mean, then... Um, He's he's coming back off this, but then Dynamite gives him a big big um, a back body drop to the outside. Um, Dynamite this is, then this is a turning point of match. This is a point where Dynamite tries to headbutt uh, Buddy Rose. Buddy Rose gets out the way, and Dynamite Kid headbutts the ring post and is busted completely open. Well, he come yeah he dives over the he jumps over the top rope onto um, Buddy Rose outside. He goes for a flying headbutt. Does a plancher where he grabs the, the the top rope and he jumps over, and that's afterwards he headbutts the ring post as Buddy Rose gets out the way. Right, he flies right in like a dart right into the um, ring post. Rose is then kicking his ass, picks him up, 
for a quick suplex, uh, picks him up again. He gives the superplex off the top rope for the pin. Yeah, he starts biting him. He puts him on the fucking thing for the superplex. He bangs his head into the pole. Then he superplexes him. He gets the second fall. And um, then we're into the third fall. Uh, We have Dynamite still groggy from, from that fall. He's coming back a little until Buddy just punches his way back. Like, Buddy's like doing that baby face comeback punching. And um, he's. Do we get a rake from. uh, or an eye rake from um, Dynamite and a headbutt? And then. um, I I forget what happens after this. Uh, How how does this. It it goes to a time limit draw. That's right. They just. they don't really go anywhere after this, right? So then. You didn't see the second match. The second match was even better than this match. And once again. Dynamite Kid wins the first fall with a knee drop off the top rope. Second fall, he gets busted open again. At this time, Buddy Rose wins with a back suplex off the top rope. It's just sensational. Yeah, this was a much better match even. I I actually had it on while we've been talking and I've been watching it. third fall, Buddy Rose lands some hella five super, I mean, snap suplexes. And the, the announcer was like, Oh wow! He just took that off the page of the Dynamite Kid with these snap suplexes. Yeah. And the, but the, the match ends where um, Buddy Rose cradles the Dynamite Kid, and the referee counts to three. But the Dynamite Kid's legs on the ropes. Buddy Rose jumps up and down thinking he won. Dynamite Kid uh, grabs him, puts him in, puts him in a small package, grabs the, grabs, grabs the tights, and. Wins the match and retains the Pacific Northwest Championship. Man, this got to be like a four or five star match. I don't know if you. Oh, re- without a doubt, two workers in their two great workers in their prime, and the entire run of Buddy Rose and Dynamite Kid and Rip Oliver and Billy Jack and Kurt Hennig's feud in 1983 is on YouTube. Just, just do it. Just, 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 just do a YouTube search for it. You'll see the turn. You see every week there was a great match. Involving these guys on one on, on on both sides, these two matches that we just talked about are the only singles matches from this feud that are available on YouTube. Man, that's too bad. Like, there's so much stuff of uh, Ray Stevens. I mean, and and uh, this guy that we just don't have. You know, it's just like there's so many just great workers from this time that just start. Right, off. right. Like, you don't have a lot of Buddy Rogers. Uh, Ray Stevens in his prime, you don't have. Your Nick Bockwinkle before the age of forty is rare to find any shit by him. Yeah. Right, right, and Vern Gagne, obviously. Yeah, um, Vern Gagne. A lot of these guys, you know, it's hard to find that shit. It's too bad, man. Uh, but yeah, they they definitely. Um, yeah, we we see this this guy is just a legend, uh, and he's. You can tell that uh, he just had a lot of raw talent, man. He was just. Uh, just he and he, you're right. He probably never even worked out. He just fucking went in there and did his thing. And I, I, how long? But the thing is, is like, how long has he been wrestling since now? Like we, we're watching him now in this like these. Okay, match- I believe he turned pro in '74, so we're looking nine years into his career. And but then after this run, he starts just letting his weight completely go out out of sync. When he he had some great matches that we covered on the greatest matches of all time series. With Doug Summers as a tag team partner, AWA tag team champions, Sherry Martell as their manager in 1986 against 
the Midnight Rockers, Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty. And that was his last great run. Um, 87, he goes back to Portland. And basically from 1987 to the end of his career, he's in Portland. He has a short stint in the WWF as a jobber. But, you know, he's all, that was it. His career was all but done. Yeah, that's the only time I remembered him. And, like, I just thought, I, I, um, I just remember looking at him and just being like, who is this guy, man? He's so fat, so fucking roly-poly, skinny arms. like. But And then I looked at him and, like, he would could really do some shit in there. And I was like, man, this guy's like a – he's fat, but he's he can move. A, a lot like Adrian Adonis. Yeah. Fat those were probably the two greatest fat workers of all time. These motherfuckers are completely out of shape but can fucking work their asses off. So we never had a Buddy Rose versus Ric Flair match? You know what? Ooh. Ric Flair would would go to Portland a lot. I, I don't think there's one on. I'd have to check their 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 their, their, their uh, match results. Okay, we'll see about that. But but I, I probably not. You'd probably it would probably be a famous because match because they were mostly heel at the same time. Yeah, and it wouldn't have gone together. That's too bad because they would have had a great match. Um, and then you had um, who was now his most famous. Uh, tag team partner, what, who would you, would you say it is? Would be uh, Colonel DeBeers at Wiskowski. But as far as his biggest feuds, his biggest feuds were the feuds that we talked about. The feud with Jimmy Sucker, the feud with uh, with Roddy Piper, and the feud with the Dynamite Kid. Those were his biggest feuds. Those were, And you could see by all three matches, the Portland crowd was hot. This territory was on fire. And a lot, and it was, a lot of it was due to Buddy Rose because he was the one constant between between 1976 and 1985. And how was he as a talker? Oh, he he wasn't a great promo, but he was a, a he he was a good promo. Okay. And uh when he was uh when he was but he was like the definitely the dominant one with Wutkowski in terms of like the talker on the team, yes. right? Yeah, in in Portland, yes. They, they they would get all the heat and um then Rip Oliver came along, and he was a great heel. It, from the time the territory, in the 1980s, the three biggest heels would have been Wiskowski, Rose, and Rip Oliver. Okay. So Portland is uh, an important territory. I mean, it looked like when you see all these guys. It's a very important territory because the list of guys that got their start in Portland is endless. Oh, who's who are wrestling? Jesse the Body Ventura, Adrian Adonis. Superfly Stunker, Roddy Piper, Playboy Buddy Rose, uh, Rick Martel, the Sheep Herders, who later became the Bushwhackers. The, uh, it was basically Thor. like WWF de- developmental. Exactly. Or they WA de- developmental or Crockett de- de- developmental because be- right before they went to Crockett, Stunker and Piper were, were huge baby faces in Portland. And Portland was a, just an important kind of West Coast wrestling territory, I guess. Uh and and they did big business back then. And Don Owen was considered one of the three great payoff men back then. And he never cheated anybody. Everybody loved Don Owen. Everybody loved working for Don Owen. Wow, man, that's uh, that's great. So so we got uh, Playboy Buddy Rose in the books here for greatest performances. So who are you looking at? I, we probably won't be back for a little while, but we'll be back in three weeks. And in three weeks, we'll be doing uh, greatest matches of all time. And we'll be looking at the three best matches from the recent New Japan Wrestle Kingdom show, uh, January 4th of four weeks ago. And um, one of the matches will be the six-star match that uh, 
Dave Meltzer first the first six star match in the history of the Observer. Uh, Kenny Omega versus Katsuchika Okada. I heard there was another match he gave six stars to, but I I can't remember now. I don't. All I know is this is the first time I ever saw it. And then somebody else said there was another six star match. Uh, I don't think we reviewed it yet, but uh, we'll be reviewing those three <sighs> matches. The, that match, uh, there was a Tanahashi match on that card that was sensational as well. Cool, man. Uh, looking forward to that. And uh, New Japan definitely, like, still relevant here. And uh, and the best wrestling show on American television is Friday nights, 8 o'clock, New Japan on AXS Access Television. But it's not that's not English commentary, right? And Jim Ross and Josh Barnett, the best uh, 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 broadcasting duo in wrestling today. Oh, man, I got to try to find some of that on you. I, I don't think I get that channel on Verizon. But it, it, it should be available. Verizon has everything. It should be available somewhere on Verizon. Yeah, maybe I gotta look for it. All right. Well, anyway, um, I will be in touch with you, man. Thanks again uh, for running down this guy, uh, uh, Buddy Rose, and uh, we will be back with more great wrestling history. We'll be back. In, we'll be back in four weeks. You have a, you have a safe journey around the world. <laughs> try not to uh, try not to eat certain food, and um. <laughs> Try not to cheat on your wife. And ladies and gentlemen, we'll speak to you in Yeah, man. <laughs> Talk to you soon. Peace. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. On February 24th. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck. Bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with...